I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, here with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who also happens to be an investor and happens to be the publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 214th episode of our weekly therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. We'll talk gold, we'll talk bull markets, we'll talk the overall markets, we'll talk bonds, the correlation to gold, a lot going on around the world and here at home. Mr. Nick Hodge, as always, first and foremost, how are you today? Doing great, Gerardo. Uh, feeling good about gold. Um, I'm feeling good about things in general. I've uh, gotten some things right and they're, they're anxious to see things play out over the summer. How are you? I am excellent. Um, gold is a great place to start. I know that um, the bulls of the world, the Jimmy Kramers of the world are cheering today's inflation report. We'll talk about that here in a bit. But gold is the main event right now, right? It looks like we have the breakout that we've been hoping for. We talked some technical levels last week. Let's leave that last week and get to this week's new levels. I'd love to get your take on everything gold, sir. Well, they're 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 cheering the inflation numbers, which um, they think is going to you know, uh, make the Fed stop hiking because inflation is coming down. But what they are thinking is that inflation is uh, coming down because, uh, uh, you know, prices are slowing and then recession is coming. You know, it's the reason copper's been down for the past three months and oil's been down for the past three months and oil is one of the biggest inputs there. So that's part of the reason gold has uh, done well. People are starting to factor in this recession more so than the inflation, right? Inflation was uh, last year's boogeyman, and frankly, they all got that wrong too. Remember, it was all mm-hmm. transitory for a long ass time, and now they're happy that it's coming down. Uh, but they got their eye off the ball. The ball is uh, the recession that's coming down the plate here in the uh, next quarter or so. Um, interest rates, you mentioned, uh, you know, the ten year continues to yep. soften dramatically. Um, it's what's allowed gold to start going up. I think we probably talked about it last week that the ten year started falling off in October. That's when gold started going up, and uh, it continues to be. Uh, week and then there's a a, a flight to safety um, from you know the banks you know I think the the second week or the third week of March saw the second largest outflows from um, you know banks 120 billion or something if memory serves and you know that money is not all going back into other banks and into brokerages it's going elsewhere clearly I mean a Bitcoin's up 50 percent in a in a month or something like that. Yep. The, uh, gold is uh, obviously above 2000. So uh, looking very strong. So, you know, the thing that gets me is uh, a couple of things. You get people arguing about Bitcoin and gold, which I've never understood. Why can't you just own both and be glad to have something that's, you know, outside of the system and, you know, outside of yep. the dollars and in that sphere of influence, uh, et cetera. And the other thing is um, still like the when moon people, right? Like why does gold have to go to 3000 or 4000? Like why can't it just hang out just north of 2000, which is, uh, very robust price for um, lots of miners and will eventually light a fire underneath the explorers and developers as well. So um, those are my thoughts. What are your thoughts on gold? No, I, I agree with everything you said. I did want to ask you about the next technical breakout that we want to see. We had talked before about 1974, went through that beautifully. Then we had talked 2020. Um, look, we touched 2045 today, today being Thursday, April the 13th. A close right around the 2037 level. 2037 is a robust gold price. I think it heads higher. What's that technical breakout that you need to see it's, to push towards new all-time highs? It's it's the previous all-time high. Yeah. It needs to capture the flag. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and hold it in its own court for a little bit. So 
what is that, 2069, 2070, uh, I believe it is. And mm-hmm. so I'll stop looking at the chart. But uh, that's what it is. And it's got a hold there um, uh, convincingly. And that's what I say. Um, it doesn't grow right to the sky. You can still see a, a bit of a range there. But but nonetheless, the the gold stocks are getting bullish. The, the GDX, the G, GDXJ are looking very strong. Um, I'm up pretty well now on, on, on that position and on GLD. So um, we'll see if the bots continue to break down. That's what's wagging the dog here. Well, the correlation is still this is very, very close to one-to-one, right? We've talked about the correlation between the tenure and the gold price. Obviously, that's going to continue if gold is going to continue to surge. Accurate? Uh, 100%, yeah. Excellent. Follow-up question. Silver. Silver is now acting like a precious metal and not the industrial metal that it's been acting as, right? I think that's important to flag because if that is the case, then a run towards 30 finally doesn't seem seem impossible, right? It wasn't going to happen as long as it was viewed as the industrial metal it is. If we are in a recession and the data is going to tell us that at another quarter or two, then it looks like silver's breakout moment is here. Do you agree with that? I have a solar recommendation coming out in the, the next issue of Foundational Profits. So, yeah. So bullish on silver, clearly. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And exactly for the reason you said, um, acting like a precious metal now and uh, will eventually overshoot because that's what silver does when when gold moves higher. And so um, time to get positioned. Um, uh, a bit of FOMO. Hopefully I didn't uh, wait too long. The price I put on the the stock that I'm recommending, it's, it's already above by 50 cents or 75 cents or so. But- uh, again, buy them on red days, right? So just wait a couple of days. And, and that's another thing worth mentioning. The sentiment has been going yep. back and forth on a, on almost a daily basis, right? Like uh, today we're giddy because inflation is softening. But, you know, the, the S&P closed down, I think, two other days this week. So um, uh, sentiment is all over the place. Meanwhile, volatility remains suppressed. So I would look for that to perk back up here as well. It's worth noting that we still have more inflation it's just less than what we anticipated. I want to just point that out to everybody because everybody's <laughs> fucking running around as if inflation has been cooled and it's actually receding. It's not. It's just less than they thought they would see given how bad they missed it. By they, I mean the Fed. Fed. It's still more than twice their target, right? You know, it's funny. It was, <laughs> I went downstairs and flipped on the TV while I was eating lunch today and you know, the, the anchors are all excited because stocks are up, right? They're like, wow, Weight Watchers is up 60% this week and, and, and Microsoft is catching a bit and this and that. And then the next segment starts, like, you know, because they have segments sure. on Bloomberg or whatever. The next segment is <laughs> bond issuers are worried because defaults are on the rise. It's like, wait, what? Like, we're giddy about stocks today? Like, anyway, it's a very short-term mentality. It's uh, easier to sell narratives than it is to sell <laughs> facts and numbers, right? Um, let's stick with facts and numbers. Crypto. I'm not a crypto guy. Still don't own any. I know you have some Bitcoin. Um, we have Chris Curl, our local in-house crypto expert. I mean, this breakout over 30,000 caught me by surprise. Again, I'm just a speculator on the me, sideline. I don't have a dog in the race. But honest, Honestly, me as well. We should, we should have him on to talk about it. Um, we'll see if it holds above uh, 30,000. It, it doesn't seem to want to get much above that, you know, 30,300 or so. Um, you know, would be the top end of the top end of the the range there. Um, yeah, it, I, I was surprised how fast it went up as well. You've got um, FTX talking about like reopening. They've like uh-huh. found seven billion dollars or something. Uh-huh. Um, but nonetheless, and it, I guess it's you know partially broken that correlation that it was having um, with the broader markets. But um, it looks pretty good. But to me, I'm not a hundred percent convinced yet. Like I am with the precious metals. 
Okay, so definitely precious metals bullish, not so much so on the crypto side. Um, I want to segue right into it, and, and there's no real good segue for this, but we were talking a bit off air and um, about time, and you know, you have some milestones coming up uh, personally for yourself. I have some coming up, but uh, Mr. Dines, right? We got to mention it's been a year um, since his passing, and obviously he was somebody that uh, was a mentor to our mentor and a giant um, in the industry. Any thoughts there on Mr. Dines? You know, my, my, my favorite quote from him probably is believe the unbelievable. And, you know, anytime I see a precious metals bull market or a rare earth uh, bull market, like it looks like we may have here soon, um, depending on some geopolitical factors and some licensing issues with some of the bigger refiners in the world. But anytime we see either of those markets starting to really attract investor and speculator attention, I think of Mr. Dines because he was such a champion for those types of markets. Well, and, you know, you think about the uh, the inflation and how the Fed has got that wrong and how they've continued to hike into a slowdown and how everyone's, you know, giddy over, you know, Fed watching. And, and I was thinking yesterday, um, uh, which was the anniversary of his passing on April 12th, um, you know, how he would have been writing about it. I went back and read the last two issues of the Dines letter. Uh, March and April of of, of 2022, um, and took some quotes from there to to put in my my monthly issue this month. But yeah, it's amazing how fast you know time goes. And um, I think I was writing that you know uh, we're all worse off for for not having him around. He made us all better investors. I feel like, and um, you know, there's a couple of thousand folks that were um, you know getting huh. advice from him uh, through the Dines letter through interim warning bulletin and and they've been getting it from us and the reception has been uh, pretty fantastic and not just for me but but for you as well because those people have subsequently um you know purchased some of your letters and so um I was going to read a couple of things they write in because they're very communicative and um they write letters in they write comments in they they talk to customer service and so um, uh, let me just read for a second. Um, Michael J says, I'm a former subscriber of the Dines letter. And after Mr. Dines death was passed on to Mr. Hodge and his new newsletters, I've been pleased with what I see from Mr. Hodge and his team, good stuff and straightforward presentation. Um, uh, another one, hi team. I joined you folks with a number of subscriptions last year, moving from the Dines letter, Nick Gerardo and your team, you guys are doing a great job. Keep up your great work and thank you very much. Um, another one from Bruno, you're doing a fantastic, jo a fantastic job helping us go forward without dines. I'm starting to think it'll be a lot more fun and profitable than I dared expect. Um, and then Jack simply says, Mr. Dines would be proud. So, yeah, um, uh, trying, trying, trying to carry the torch, right? Yeah, that means a lot. Meanwhile, on the other side, I, I, I couldn't help but laugh. I was going to start this podcast by doing this. Because every now and then I peek at the comments on Bizarre World on the YouTube channel and somebody <laughs> said last week, the guy with the white t-shirt talks too much. And I know I'm loud and I know I ran and I rambled on a whole heck of a lot of things, but jokes aside, it made me laugh. I appreciate all the comments, y'all. I thought that would have been a funny intro. Yeah, you know, that guy's uh, <laughs> handle was Rick Full or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a cool yeah. handle. It was a funny handle. I looked at it too. So <laughs> shout outs to Rick Full out there. I mean, what do you listen to a podcast for <laughs> if not to hear people talk? <laughs> I love it. Listen, we can't talk Mr. Dines um, without bringing <laughs> up the fact that he was the ultimate contrarian, right? There's two things that really stood out about him to me. One was just how much of a contrarian he, he was. The second was what comes with that. He was such a visionary. I mean, he saw things sometimes decades before, and he would call this out, right? You could read a book 
from Mr. Dines from 40 years ago, and he would give you dates 30 years in the future and say, right around this time, you could expect these things to start happening. And sure enough, a lot of those things came to pass, right? And so when I think contrarians, I think Mr. Dines, um, what's your contrarian speculator self looking at right now that maybe nobody has their eye on, something that you like that maybe is really under the radar? Um, I think helium. Hmm. Um, I don't see a lot of people talking about helium. There's not a way, not, not a lot of ways to um, invest in helium. Um, in the speculative letter at Hodge Family Office, we're in you know one of the companies that's going to be the newest producer of, of helium in, in North America, and, and people don't realize how much it's um, used for. So, um, MRIs, for example, need to be refilled with 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 helium. You can't have fiber optic cables that power the internet without they, they're produced in an, an all helium environment. Um, you can't have rocket launches without, without helium. NASA needs it. Um, SpaceX needs it. Blue Origin needs it. Um, you can't have nuclear fusion without, uh. um, helium. And so, um, it's important for a lot of things. And, you know, it's one of those things that, that flies under the radar and it's got a, it's got a pretty long backstory, um, all the way back to world war two. And then, you know, more recently this decade, the U S Congress voting to, um, uh, shut down the helium reserve that we had here in, in the U.S. and selling that off, and then the price is going up. So, um, helium something I think that that not a, not a lot of people look at. Excellent, excellent. Had to ask. Um, Were you expecting a certain answer? No, I wasn't. I, I was genuinely curious, and I just again, you know how my brain works. Sometimes I think Mr. Dines, I think contrarian. I think you have your finger on the pulse of so many different sectors where I'm just very resource specific. And I got genuinely curious. I figured, let me ask Mr. Hodge what, uh, what, yeah. what he thinks is a good contrarian play to ease into right now, right? Something that 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 hasn't caught the market's attention here um, in a broader sense that may be the, the perfect time to pivot into in a contrarian way. So, yeah, good stuff. Okay. We got to talk about some of the bizarro, right? Bizarro world stuff that's going on out there. Um, the Cash App founder, uh, Mr. Bob Lee, who was stamped fatally uh, several weeks ago. There's been arrest and arrest made there. That case has always seemed just super odd to me and the way that it was reported. I mean, this guy was one of the Cash App founders, a big deal um, that he was stabbed and murdered, visiting friends in San Francisco late at night in a very upscale neighborhood. It seemed out of place. It seemed odd. The lack of media coverage um, relative to some of the other craziness that goes on that gets covered um, seemed odd to me as well. And now we find out that the person arrested for the murder is somebody that he actually knew, Fine. right? An arrest being made this afternoon. And so they didn't comment on motive, the authorities, they didn't comment on motive, uh, but they said this wasn't a, a, a random act. It was obviously something that was targeted. And man, I just, I, 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 I can't imagine what, you know, someone does to a coworker or a subordinate or a colleague that um, would motivate uh, and I don't know if we'll ever know that would motivate um, a stabbing, a fatal stabbing of someone in the middle of the street, right? While he's off visiting some friends. Just, uh, you know, horrible, horrible, horrible case, horrible situation. And am interested in the motive if that ever comes out. It's been odd to me the way the press has covered it. And I just figured I'd bring it up, see if you had any thoughts there. I don't know if you've been following it at all. Um, I haven't. I saw that it happened. I saw that there was an arrest made. Was an arrest made, but I didn't know that it was someone he knew. You know, when it first came out, um, you know how everything gets politicized immediately, right? It immediately turned yeah. to 
San Francisco's on the decline, Democrat-run city, uh, blue city, crime even in high-end areas is what, you know, yeah. uh, the, the right was chirping about. But, um, you know, there's a lot of crime um, <clears throat> all over the place. Um, just here in Spokane this week, there was a, uh, a gentleman who was stabbed on a bridge. There's a river that runs through downtown, and there's a couple of bridges that run over it. And it was a 14- and a 15-year-old that stabbed him like four or five times. Uh, he lived, thank goodness. Um, and it turns out that um, he was a homeless gentleman. But, um, you know, there's a lot of crime all over the place. And if you look at the rates, and um, now I'm going to turn this into a self-serving uh, story. So bear yeah. with me for a second. Now have at it. Um, not a lot of crimes uh, get solved, you know, like less than, um, I don't want to say off the top of my head, but we've got a report up that, that I actually put a link to below this podcast that, that you can um, check out, you know, how cops increasingly aren't solving crimes, whether they're violent crimes, assaults and murders, or, um, you know, uh, rapes or, or thefts, you know, a lot of times they don't even bother to um, follow up on things like this house that I'm sitting at. Um, <laughs> or now, show up. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Uh, we bought um, last year and it was broken into like somebody kicked the back door in while it was sitting empty, like before it was um, renovated. And, you know, the cops came and they didn't dust. They didn't do anything. They just said, yeah, good luck. Like <laughs> replace your door and make sure it's locked. And I was like, thanks. Um, and then the um, <laughs> the the contractor, when he was <clears throat> renovating, um, you know, his trailer was broken into. Uh, two of his trailers actually were broken into. Uh, one had like a battery-operated lift gate. They like took his batteries and messed up the wiring. Um, and then his storage trailer that he kept all his tools in, they like cut the lock and, and peeled it back. So um, there's riffraff all around. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, since I've been here, there's there's not been a- any of that. And, and I think more specifically, since I put cameras up, and that's where I'm going with this, um, there hasn't been anything. We got cameras in the back. We got yep. cameras in the front. We got a sign in the front window that says, hey, there's some cameras. Yeah. Um, and, and and that stopped a lot. Well, not a lot. It, it stopped all of it. And so and that's why this is self-serving because uh, we have a new letter out, a yep. new service called Profit Cycle Pro um, that's run by John Borquist and, and Ryan Stansel. And, and the idea behind the pub is that it's sort of a digest of digest publishing, right? It takes bits and pieces of my letter, of your letter, of, of Chris Curl's letters, and uh, amalgamates them into something that people can get a taste of all we do if they want to get familiar with the different services uh, that we provide in the different sectors that we dabble in. Uh, and the first one that, that Profit Cycle Pro is uh, promoting um, is a private deal that anyone can invest in. So mm. we do a lot of private investing, yep. you and I. Yep. Uh, but, but typically those are deals that you got to be accredited to participate in. This is a, um, a, a Reg A deal that is, um, you know, they've been filed a prospectus. And, Not and a Reg A deal, a Reg A deal. Regulation A, that's <laughs> yeah. right. So you don't have to be accredited, um, I think, as long as you're not putting more than 10% of your um, uh, net worth into it. And so anyone could participate, but the company... Um, is a spin out from another tech company that I was involved in that um, ultimately was uh, born out of uh, Intel and some technology that they had that allows uh, these closed circuit uh, t- TVs, these CCTVs, of which there are tens of millions in yeah. the, the country, but nobody ever watches. I mean, not a no, no person can watch all those streams, right? So um, this uses AI, which is obviously popular right now and has been in the past couple of weeks, to um, watch those cameras and can identify people in them can identify objects in them and, and can notify the authorities uh, when something is happening. And so huh. um, they tested this in <clears throat> um, Mexico City, um, actually, 
um, which you're familiar with, and the yeah. area that they tested it in saw like a 45% reduction in crime over sure. the time that they were testing it. So um, has paid dividends in that respect. And, and so they're raising uh, a couple of million bucks now, a little bit more than that, actually, I think 20 million bucks. And they're looking to scale this out. And they've got some key people um, uh, running it, a uh, former uh, FBI director, uh, special ops guy yeah. that's a very serious individual. And um, anyway, that's the one of the first unique investments that Profit Cycle Pro is uh, making available to members of that publication. So it's off to a good start. If you have interest in that, we'll put a link in the description. Uh, sorry to get salesy for, for a second, but I actually didn't even mean to. That was pretty organic. So thanks. Yeah, no, no, no. It's funny. We we, we started talking uh Mr. Bob Lee and how unfortunate that was. And I, I think it was a good segue into crime and, you know, solutions and, and how to reduce that. On that note, I have to say I watched there's a Apple TV original show with Jon Stewart called The Problem with Jon Stewart. Jon Stewart, someone that I think is, you know, brilliant, both as a comedian um, and as a social commentator. And I think his interview style is is one of the best um, that I've seen in quite some time. And he had one on gun control. And I encourage everybody to just kind of take a peek at that episode. I think a lot of you have seen a clip from him interviewing mm-hmm. um, the, the senator from the state there and kind of, you know, Oklahoma, going Oklahoma, I think it was. You state got senator, it from Oklahoma, yeah. state senator from Oklahoma, um, who, like us, is very pro-Second Amendment, though, unlike us, you know, kind of failed on some of the accountability fronts. And I think Stewart did a great job holding his feet to the fire on that. And I bring that up. Because I saw this settlement earlier this week that, again, just upset the living heck out of me, man. Um, It's one thing when adults choose to drink or smoke or do drugs or, you know, engage in behavior that's detrimental to their individual health. However, they're making, you know, consensual decisions to do so and you pay the consequence for your decisions, right? That's the way accountability is supposed to work. It's a very different thing when a company like Juul, J-U-U-L, knowingly targets junior high and high school children with sweetly scented and flavored um, nicotine pens, essentially, right? Um, And runs entire marketing campaigns and makes billions of dollars um, hooking these kids um, to these nicotine pens and then is able to just pay, you know, this week's settlement was $462 million to six states, Um the largest e-cigarette settlement ever so far. The profits were much more than the, the 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 settlement. No criminal convictions. Nobody's going to prison. The kids will stay addicted for the most part. Um, and again, it's just the failure of accountability. The lack of accountability is a part of what we can do so much better in this country, right? And so, uh, again, my brain works in different ways. I, I saw that. I thought about that. And this is kind of where it led me. Well, it's a toll road. Um, if they really were concerned for your health, kids or otherwise, they would ban cigarettes and, and vaping, the government I'm talking about. Uh, but they don't because they need, want, and like the revenue that the um, tobacco companies provide them. And so um, you'll remember in the late 90s or early 2000s, there was you know massive settlements and, and cases <laughs> going on. And, and basically it was a, an organized way of saying, Look, this is what we're going to do. You guys are going to reorganize. Philip Morris is going to go bye-bye. You're called Altria now, which not a lot of people know is a tobacco company. If you see Altria, they're pretty logo, right? Um, and we're going to make so, it so, a quasi-monopoly, an oligopoly. There's like British tobacco and and, and Altria. And um, 
you guys are going to be the only ones who are allowed to sell this stuff, and, and that's how we're going to keep it, and you're going to pay us uh, large amounts of taxes. It's the reason that um, cigarettes are still legal, despite all the uh, carcinogens and, and cancer and other health um, uh, detriments that they cause. Um, and it's why no new entrants are allowed into the into the market. What's the yeah. last time you saw a new a new brand yep. of cigarettes that weren't owned by um, one of those companies? Um, conversely, and perhaps perversely, <laughs> yeah, uh, they're great investments. Uh, I'm a yeah. shareholder in Altria. The the dividends I believe currently are seven or eight percent per year, um, and they have a moat that is provided by that government who doesn't um, care enough about you to ban them entirely. Um, only cares enough about their the revenue streams to organize a deal that that keeps the taxes coming. It's a sick, so, sick world out that's there. That's my take. Yeah, sick, sick world. Um, we need some term limits, y'all. We need to get the lobbyists and the money out of politics. Do you have good news on that front, Nick? Another good transition. Oh, um, and, and to bring up the fourth turning again, you know, even the Democrats are turning on Miss Dianne Feinstein now, asking her to to step down, right? She's missing votes that are, that are causing things to- Important uh, ones, too. Yeah, because she's on the Judiciary Committee in the Senate. Um, you know, she's also selling homes for like $35 million. Like she sold her Aspen ski house for $35 million. You know, those senators make like two hundred grand a year, man. They're this great thing. investors. <laughs> exactly. They should Clarence write a newsletter. Thomas, Clarence Thomas sold a house to that gentleman too, the, the, the guy that he was going on the plane with. I don't know if you saw that. Uh-huh. Sold him a house and didn't disclose it. So anyway, that's your government. Then you're, well... Yeah, executive, legislative, and judicial. That's your government. Listen, uh, I want to bring it back to markets before we go. Copper is heating up. Um, I always say, you know, do as the money does, not as the narrative says, right? And there's been a lot of money put on the table um, for copper producers lately. I mean, today the newest one is uh, Hud Bay is buying Copper Mountain for for $439 million, right? Not a huge premium, uh, I think like an 18 to 19% premium uh, to its last close. But, you know, this comes on the heels of Glencore making an unsolicited $22.5 billion bid for copper miner tech resources, who, which, of course, you know, mines by default a lot of zinc as well. But it's interesting to me that much like the lithium world in the copper space, there are billions and billions of dollars. Um, looking for fresh supply, new supply, um, a, a re-upping of reserves for what's coming. And what's coming, folks, is much, much higher copper prices. If we can be at $4.10 a pound in a bear market with China lockdown and a recession here in the U.S., boy, when it gets hot and China opens up all the way again and then starts popping, you know, dollars into its economy, as we know it's going to do, and the U.S. pivots, which it will do eventually, um, I, I, I see a very, very bright future for copper, and it would do you all well to start double-checking the list. The way we started saying about gold, when gold, you know, went below that, you know, $1,800 level, and we said it's either breaking down to 15 or it's going to hold it and bounce, and if it holds it and bounce, and it's going to step ladder all the way up to new all-time highs. That seems well on its way. Um, silver followed that. And now I think, you know, I, 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 I think copper is going to have maybe not in the next quarter, but the next couple of quarters should be robust ones for the copper space. So that's what kind of what I'm looking for here in the next week or so. Um, and of course, results from Patriot Battery Metals, which had an excellent technical release 
this past week, which basically told the market one of two things. We can build this and we're going to do everything that we need to do to get an order, right? We're going to get maiden resource estimate, pre-feasibility study, hydro hydrological work. We're going to get all the baseline studies needed. We're building an 80-man camp. We're adding a road. We're doing all the things that we need to build this if we want to build this on our own in a couple of years. Or we're doing all the things that we need to do to hand it off to the person that's going to pay us nothing less than 50 bucks a share. For those of you that read between the lines, that's what that release was about. The next one I think is going to be about more outstanding results. So I'll be looking for that next week as well. Good. I don't have a lot to add there. Um, uh, I think you're spot on with copper it being the time to buy over the uh, coming months before we get into to Q3 and Q4. Um, the the Oz Minerals takeover was approved. Turquoise Hill has gone bye-bye. Um, not a lot of quality um, copper assets out there. Philo's got a $3 billion valuation I was looking today. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. I'm going to give you all a freebie, um, and it's only a freebie because it's already in the letter, and I, I just upped my buy under price. All of the subscribers that pay us for this advice have already been able to act on it. Um, y'all want to look at a great lithium play that I think is the next James Bay success story. I think it's going to be Q2 metals. Um, it's, it's had quite a nice pullback. There was a 10 cent financing that came, uh, free trading here recently. It's coming free trading and it's pulled back from a high of over a dollar to like 55, 54 cents earlier today. Um, I suspect that by the June, July timeline, that stock will be closer to triple digits then the 50 cent mark, I think this entry point, anything below 60 cents is an excellent entry point. Do your due diligence. It's uh, eight kilometers of lithium spodumene bearing pegmatites in James Bay. It's got the right geology. It's got the right rocks. It's, uh, you know, it's got a program overseen by the VP of Exploration, Neil McCallum, who happened to be the gentleman that staked the Corvette district for Patriot Battery Metals. Darren Smith is a part of the DeRouge group, DeRouge Geological Consulting. That's the group Neil McCallum works with. Um, so, and also Darren Smith happens to be uh, the VP of Exploration and lead geologist for Patriot Battery Metals. So they know the, the, the two projects intimately. The teams are very familiar with each other. A lot of synergies there. I hate that word, but it's the right one for this situation. And I think you can do yourself a, a service by digging into Q2 metals. So that's your lithium play for the week. Free one. It's Any not me that's selling. They should, hey, they should have found some stronger heads. We were asking for more. <laughs> Q2 medals. I'm only saying this on the podcast because I know y'all listen because I said it to you privately. Jason, you were supposed to relay this message to Mr. Kevin, but I did say this is why when we asked for more, you should have given us more because we haven't even filed the I didn't forms even know yet. It was, yeah. yeah, yeah. We haven't even filed the forms yet to clean up the shares. We're long-term sticky shareholders. I think this is a three to five dollar play in the next twelve months. It's got that kind of potential if Mother Nature left behind what I suspect it left behind. Um, so yeah, the next time you raise some capital, um, probably ready to check at a higher price. Hopefully, we can get a little bit more. We're thankful for what we got, both on the ten cent and the fifty cent financing. Um, and, and and just to be clear, folks, we wrote checks at, at the fifty cent financing year recently. We wrote a 10 cent check prior to that. I would love to write a $1.25 check here in the next six months after some success with the drill bit here in Q3. And, you know, watch it go to three to five bucks where I think it can head if it has some success and the lithium space keeps doing what I think it will do. So um, that's it. That's a freebie. You get your money's worth, folks. Mm -hmm. Like it. I like it. I'm supposed to remind you every week to go to dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe. 
to be able to get all the alerts in your inbox. You can listen to this podcast. You can leave us a comment and we can laugh at the comments. And also, anytime you guys have any questions, we're happy to entertain those. Get those on here and answer them to the best of our ability. This was the 214th, holy smokes, 214th episode of our weekly therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. Nick, send us off, sir. 19 of the 500 S&P companies have reported earnings, and earnings growth is only down 25%. Enjoy the next ones that come out. Down is the new up. Less inflation is no inflation. It's a bizarre world, folks. Have a good one. Be kind to each other out there. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.